0: Another episode of Coffee at the Cottage is here. I'm Scott. Across the way is Emily. Emily, how's it going?
1: It's going really well. I'm thinking it's going to warm up, and we can once again go out on the porch.
0: That's yeah, a, uh, of course, where we're at this this lovely uh, this lovely cabin, and it's nice to be in inside but we want to be able to be out there and 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 soaking it in and at the time of the podcast we're we're just on the cusp yes, we of, are. of spring it's it's almost there you can start to see the trees beginning to come to life you hear the birds more in the in the morning but be careful what you wish for cuz in a 2 3 months we'll be complaining about how hot it is
1: Never. <laughs> Never. This has been the longest winter I can remember.
0: <laughs> well, a guest you've got on today is somebody who is a, a repeat guest, but first time you've had an opportunity to chat with them as they take on a new position. Correct. Somebody that's been in the area a number of years and it is about to take on a new role they're replacing somebody also that had been in a role for a very long time big shoes to fill but somebody that I think we all believe is very capable of uh, doing it so I'll turn it over to you for the conversation
1: thank you Um, well I have Eric Atkinson today Um, the first thing I wanted to do is say hey, Chief, <laughs> when I saw you get out of your car, and I'm like, oh, can't call him that anymore. So congratulations, the new city administrator from Menominee.
2: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it.
1: Well, I think, you know, when I first asked you to come back, you were still the chief of police. Indeed. And... um I wanted you back here because of the event that stunned our community. Um, We want to go back to January 21st and um, the dramatic things that took place that evening. And um, I think there's no one better, no one more well-versed than you to explain it and talk about it.
2: Well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. That, that was just a, uh, well, I think it was an event that certainly rocked all of us from, from the people directly involved to those indirectly involved and then, then the entire community as a whole. I, I think most of us know these things can happen, but when they actually do happen, it's not any less shocking, not any less traumatic and uh, it take it takes time to heal from it. So it it is, uh, or it was, a very difficult time.
1: Um, so now it's my understanding. Um, what you had to do is call in the state right away. Yes. And they did they physically come here or how how did they handle it?
2: Sure. So uh, a number of years back, there were some law changes that took place. And and I've spoke about this before at other events and very much in support of it. But what the laws required was if there was an officer-involved critical incident, serious injury or death, that you needed to bring in a third-party organization, law enforcement agency, to investigate what happened. And part of that was in order to protect the integrity of an investigation and ensure our public confidence that there wasn't going to be any kind of uh, internal swaying of what happened as to whether or not something was legitimate or illegitimate. And so in this case where we had an uh, officer all critical incident where there was a death of a citizen uh, basically caused at the hands of law enforcement we needed to bring in a third party. So when I was informed that we had an officer-involved shooting and our, our suspect was deceased, that we needed to bring in another agency. So the Wisconsin Department of Justice Division of Criminal Investigation has a specialized unit that mm. does officer-involved okay. critical sure. incidents. So we called them, and they physically came to do the investigation. So they came that night and then worked through the next day to do canvassing of the neighborhood, uh, interview people that were involved, collecting evidence, that includes the weapons that were used, uh, um, making sure that the deceased, the decedent, was uh, taken for an autopsy in cooperation with the coroner, following that up with our medical examiner for those examinations, and then progressing through that entire investigation, reviewing body cameras, squad cameras, interviewing officers that were involved, also working with the decedent's family to uh, keep them apprised of the investigation, and then ultimately turning over the totality of the investigation to our district attorney's office. And then the district attorney ultimately makes a decision whether or not the homicide was justified or unjustified, and if it's unjustified then they determine what charges would be levied against law enforcement but i felt very confident given the circumstances of what happened that it would be a justifiable homicide not any less tragic for for the decedent and certainly not any less tragic for one of our victims that was part of that home invasion on there because that person will sustain trauma as well as everyone involved and then of course the decedent's family friends were also impacted by it too as well. Sure. So in the community at large, you live in that neighborhood, you don't expect to have something like that happen. And when it does, it, it just really impacts everybody.
1: Mm-hmm. I know um, as a resident of Menominee, I don't live in that neighborhood, but it was a really real, a reality check that this can happen anywhere. And it's very, very sad. My heart went out to the officers um, to have to be faced with a Well, be faced with that. Um, and I'm sure that's not what they signed up to do. <laughs> um, so, so with that in mind, with the victim and the officers, was there... Um, counseling
2: for them yeah so as a routine if we have and and i it's old habit to say we We, since i'm since Uh, i'm not a police chief anymore it is still menominee so the menominee police department uh if they do have uh their officers involved in a critical incident or something that's serious so it might be a serious injury a death uh some any kind of tragedy Mm -hmm. relating from maybe a really horrific accident to an officer-involved shooting. The department will provide counseling for the officers that were involved. There are what's called critical incident debriefs where we bring in specialized counselors so that way people involved can basically talk out what happened and then try to process their feelings. And then there are follow-up counseling sessions that take place for the people that were involved so that way they can try to deal with any potential trauma that they experience Mm -hmm. because there most definitely is, and we don't want people to suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, and we want people to be able to understand that everybody processes these things a little bit differently and that there's help out there. So unlike years past, and uh, I was an officer for 25 years, the last five to 10 years, there's been a very intentional effort directed towards mental health, and, Absolutely. And, and providing people that necessary support system to process these sorts of things. And I am very proud of that fact.
1: Um, well, I'm really proud of our police officers overall. I, I mean, I think they're very polite. Uh, I met the new chief the other day, which I'd known in the past. Um, I think he'll fit in really well, so good for you. So then you threw your hat in the ring to become the new city manager. Now, it's my understanding you were up against. There were 19 applicants. So that that was a process. Um, I can't imagine how difficult that would be when you knew that you had applied for this position you had to go to meetings with people that you would be working with or working for or whatever. How did, did that make you feel uncomfortable, or how? I mean, it had to be in the back of your mind a little.
2: Well, it does. Even though there's some advantage to to knowing who who I could potentially work with in a different capacity. On the other hand, too, though, is those people have only worked with me as as the police chief, so as far as a, as a challenge would be, I looked at it as if I did get the positions to be able to, yes, I was able to to work as the police chief, but then to earn their trust and confidence as a city administrator, and and even if I didn't. Didn't get the role and mm-hmm. and stayed the chief. I would have been just fine with that, sure. and and I would have held no ill will towards any of them. It would have been.
1: It's like what next time? Well, <laughs> you know, I
2: think I think we all have to be professionals. Yes, I and, agree. And and sometimes you can get get certain things, and sometimes you can't. And I, I think a, a big part of life is how we pick ourselves up after disappointments, not so much as a, after successes. And I so, agree. I agree. So even if it didn't work out, it would have been fine. Yeah. I, I like the people who I work with. If I didn't, I I wouldn't still be here. I right, probably right, would have left right. a long time ago. But I, I'm just very excited for this opportunity and to work with people in this new capacity.
1: So then it was eliminated. My math is right. Fifteen people were eliminated. Yes. And there were the final four. Mm-hmm was that a surprise you made it to the final four or were you like yes
2: well i was i was very excited i made it to the final final four i mean there's always a apprehension that you may not be selected sure. for the final grouping and and i haven't gotten every job that i've applied for uh i liked my odds i had a solid educational background and training experience working with the city and understanding its inner workings Nonetheless, though I've never been an administrator before, so right. that that of course is a is a challenge. So there's a learning curve to that. But uh, I was ver- I was very excited to make make the final four. I um, it, it was well. I'll just leave it as very exciting.
1: So I bet your wife and family were excited.
2: Oh, they were absolutely elated.
1: Good, good. Um, so then I remember. When the drum roll was happening because the final interviews were taking place, um it was during main street's uh, annual meeting. everybody was a buzz about who's getting it, who's getting it, who's getting it and um when was it announced?
2: It was announced about mm-hmm. About a week afterwards, that uh, once we had settled on on an agreement, that I uh, was going to take over for the administrator once Lowell Prangy uh, decided to officially retire.
1: Yeah. Now, when did he leave?
2: His his official last date was April tenth.
1: And then your official start date was before that, though. My
2: my official start date was April sixteenth. Oh. However, in the in the interim time from when. When I was still the police chief to Lowell, retiring on April 10th, I was working with him splitting time between the police department and City Hall mm-hmm. to start picking up on his different job duties because his job is, a, is very nuanced, just like being the police chief is, yep. Yep. which has different things to know and do, and, and so I was able to glean information from, from Lowell.
1: I would think that you would be at such an advantage as coming from the chief of police to the city administrator, um, you have all the relationships, you know all the players, you know the community, um, you know the warts. <laughs> and, um, you know, I would think that 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 in itself would be a value.
2: Well, oh, I definitely think so. Coming from... When, when I was a lieutenant in Hudson to the chief here in Menominee, really didn't know anybody. So that was really trying to learn who all the, all the players were within the city, who work for the city, as well as who are the people in the community, all the different shareholders that are involved. Whereas in, in this case, yes, I'm still learning different things that uh, I didn't do necessarily as the police chief, but I already had established relationships with the with the people who work for the city, as well as people who are in the community. So I, I felt much more at ease with this transition than I did from my transition from Hudson to Menominee. If that makes sense.
1: So when it was offered to you, how did you and your family celebrate?
2: Well, I at, at first, just, just were very happy to to be uh, to to even be offered the the opportunity to do that, and then uh, not gonna lie, we went to Johnny's Italian Steakhouse in yes, California, which is one of <laughs> my favorite one that's of my favorite restaurants. Yes, I wish they would open a branch here in Milwaukee. Oh, wouldn't would
1: that be, be wonderful. wonderful? Oh, it would be oh glorious. my god! But uh, but
2: anyway, so yes, we we did do a little bit of celebrating. Good. So that was it. It was uh, a joyous occasion.
1: Good, good. Popped a bottle of champagne. Yes, and it was That's fabulous. Um, so now. It was an easy transition to physically move from one building to another. Yes. That being said, what's the adjustment?
2: Well, I, I think the, the adjustment is a couplefold. So, you as the administrator, you're much more involved with the general day-to-day finances and planning with uh, projects and developers and then also coordinating department activities so instead of just coordinate coordinating law enforcement activities it's helping the various department heads get the tools they need to be successful while also making sure that they are working towards accomplishing the goals of the mayor and the city council and what citizens want so that's certainly a, a a departure from what I did. And then the other part is too, is just just understanding on how to maneuver our investments, how to make sure that we're keeping our finances in order because there are certain rules and regulations as to when we do our various reporting and to make sure that I'm building on the successes that, that Lowell Prangy had over the years because part of that transition is following someone who just did such an amazing job for nearly four decades. And, uh, I've quipped with some people that if I like to take a job, I, I like to follow someone who wasn't necessarily successful.
1: I agree. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if you can do that, you can, it, then the expectations are not as large. Whereas uh little praying at the bar, very, very high, uh, very well respected and regarded. And, but the upside of that is though, as I'm coming into a situation that is not broken, broken, there's no need to, fix anything it's it's just a matter of building on that success and then uh, trying to help the community grow and and do well
1: what what is your favorite project or your biggest goal in that position
2: well I I think this kind of goes back to just one of my preferences in just my career uh, going back to from when I was in private sector before transitioning to government and then continuing this into government work. I love to examine system process like lean processing, try to determine where there are areas that we can eliminate redundancies, improve efficiency, while then also hopefully enhancing our effectiveness and service. So now as government, we don't necessarily sell a product. Uh, to a customer, but what we do is we we provide service. And so examining the types of services that we provide, seeing where there are opportunities that maybe we can leverage technology, human resources, both internally and then externally, to to just deliver better services, which in turn hopefully make Menominee a a better place to live or more attractive place for people to move and live, a more attractive place for uh, businesses to come in, implant seeds in the community, and start those relationships, and then also help tackling some of our our other serious issues that we have with with housing, uh, child care, and those sorts of things that are taking place in our community. So now, that's that's what I see.
1: You know, uh, you always hear about Manamni needing affordable housing. Mm-hmm. So you inherited this project. So I'm not. I'm just saying. So evidently, there's this huge project coming in, and I think the lowest rent rate I read was $1,000 a month. And I'm guessing that's a one-bedroom. Why would the city approve of something like that as opposed to a project that has low to moderate income housing?
2: Well... Part of it is when we take a look at our housing study that was recently done, we need housing at a variety of different levels. Absolutely. So that's why I would say that that wasn't rejected because that does fit a certain need for us. It doesn't take away a need for what would be considered the affordable housing mm-hmm. where we're trying to hit a certain income bracket that, you know, 30% of what their income is, and so we're working on those areas too because we we need housing at all of those levels from from the very affordable for persons that are either just starting out or just are really income impacted, all the way to executive level type homes. So it's I don't I, I think as a city, we don't want to necessarily reject the opportunities for just to focus on one when we still have these other needs. And I, I think that's why as I came into the position and the city had made those agreements, they looked at it as yes, that does fit a need for us here in this area. But we can't forget about these other things, too.
1: I was very surprised that this development didn't have more single-family homes, which is needed much more than apartments. We,
2: We... You know, we struggle. <laughs> I mean, I'm, a very, I'm very upfront. We str- we struggle with uh, bringing in developers that want to develop the single family. Sure. It's not that there isn't a need for it, there is a great need for it, at, and also at varying price levels, of course. Correct. But I think from where the developers are coming from, and this is inherent in the challenge, is the market is driving it. They're trying to make certain profit margins, and if they can do multiple family-type homes, twin homes, condos, they're making more money for their investment. It isn't necessarily fitting what one of our needs that we want. It's just that we're not getting those developers that want to do that, and other communities are facing that. So... So we have some ideas on ways to try to address those needs, and uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, that we're gonna be able to do something where we can put out certain kinds of, for lack of a better term, requests for proposals on what we would do for various kind of housing Mm -hmm. projects to see if we can capture some developers wanting to fit that need.
1: We used to do development as well uh, at American Edge and um not so much anymore but um people don't understand the cost the profit margin um it it and it's only skyrocketed in price since then Absolutely. I, you know and and I don't I think that I believe that they have to have those prices in order to even make their loan payments um so I understand all that. It's just that I wanted to talk about housing—single family versus more apartments. Right. Um, so, do you find anything especially challenging in your position? I know you haven't hardly gotten your feet wet, but. <laughs> right.
2: I, I think the most challenging thing, uh, as far as with the with the community, is trying to meet the the needs of, of everybody. And and how how government can try to achieve that because you know I think the basic mm-hmm. facts of government are we're here to help provide clean water, safe streets, and if you ne- have an emergency, an officer or a firefighter paramedic mm-hmm. shows up. That's that's mm-hmm. our basic needs, and then and then as we talk about tackling things like housing, child care, um, all of those things and bringing in, raise, helping our economy, those are more nuanced with government. How can we help facilitate that and make that an attractive thing to try to uh, address those needs in our communities? So I I would say the variety of challenges, that is is the most difficult thing, is to try to prioritize that, and then also realistically, how can we address that with what, what funds we have without trying to, overtax people and, oh. and we have limitations of course on our taxing levies which is fine
1: but well, nonetheless you have to, though my god benomini's got the highest taxes around well <laughs> you know it and, is and, challenging. And it's, yeah it is challenging um yeah, well, I I hope that we're we're going to keep the budget down.
2: Well, that's the goal is to keep the budget down. It's part of the, my mandate. So yep,
1: and keep the um, residents happy with that. We
2: we try. <laughs> I, you know what? What I'm sincerely hoping that we can make some headway in the state is that uh, the way, and this is just the way Wisconsin is set up that the burden comes onto the property tax holder. By the way, mm-hmm. you can you can levy, and I'm I'm hoping that in some regards that our legislator legislature will address those aids that used to come to us. So we still receive state aids for different, different things, but largely they've either been reduced or remained flat for about 20 years. So then, then it gets brought back on to the local taxpayer, the property tax or the people who own property, then get that levied against them. So I'm really hoping that some of uh, some of the legislature will change that, increase it to meet the the inflation, so i I know they probably will not go back to over the twenty years to where it right. should be, but at least to help bring that back so that way we're not asking our local taxpayers to address these inflationary costs because you're dealing with that on your own anyway for fuel and just general housing, much less just paying taxes and, right. and nobody likes paying taxes
1: so um hmm you come in as the new city administrator there's been a lot of turnover um randy id the city engineer retired and we have dave schofield Mm -hmm. very qualified man
2: he is he's Um, wonderful
1: and a couple years ago you know charlie jones from cedar he -hmm. retired and you have kevin Olium. yes um and Heidi, the key to your financial information, I understand, is thinking of retiring soon.
2: Oh, thinking she will be I know. at the end of I, June.
1: Um, and Lowell. Yes. So you have, in my opinion, you have basically a clean slate to march forward on in your style is your style open door to staff and outside uh, residents or are you like you set up an appointment and i won't see you until you do
2: well my, i try to keep uh, an open door mentality so part of it part of my style i like to, to fancy is a servant leadership type style so part Part of my job is to help you be successful. And if it's with city staff that's working with them, how can I help provide you the tools to do the job? Because I'm not an expert in each one of these. I, I'm not a inspector. I'm not an engineer. Right. I, I don't I don't have that skill set. But if I can help facilitate ways in which you can do your job more efficiently, all the better. Right. And then in terms when it comes to the community, it, I want to continue the same way I did as the police chief of if you have thoughts on how things could be done better, if you have concerns in the community, how I need your input because I I can't know everything that's happening in the community. Mm -hmm. But if you have issues that are happening in your neighborhood, maybe issues in your business, and if it's within the purview of government to try to be able to help, I, w- I want to know what those concerns mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. And if it's something that I can help with or help facilitate help through our other staff, wonderful. If it's something where I can connect you to a resource that, let's say, maybe it's the city Correct. can't help you but someone else can, I want to be able to do that. And yeah. Because at the end of the day, I'm still a public servant, so I serve the public. Right. I can't do everything for the public, but if I can try to help them, then I would consider that a success.
1: You have a lot of contacts.
2: Absolutely.
1: And that's what's important, I think. Um, So how have you sat down and had meetings with all the city council people? Individually, or is it just at a meeting?
2: Right now, so far, it's been at meetings when I came on as the police chief, I've had individual meetings with the council members before. Right now, I'm getting through our staff meetings, uh, individuals with them, so that way they can understand uh, as as I take over the role of the administrator, Mm -hmm. what my expectations are, plus I want to know what their individual expectations are, what needs they have as they compare with the goals that have already been set for me by the mayor and the council. And then moving forward there, then I can have intelligent conversations then with our mayor and then the council to see, okay, this is what our staff is seeing. Where do you think we need to go?
1: So now, I have to bring this, bring this up. Chuck Stokey was a mayor for years and years and years. Oh, indeed. I don't, I don't know if you've ever met him or not. I have. Okay. Um, I give him credit for Having such a vision for Menominee, um, we would not have the industrial park.
2: No, we would not.
1: I challenge you to go set and have a meeting with him. I think that it would be healthy.
2: Oh, I think so too.
1: So if you need his contact information, I know Pam has it.
2: <laughs> well, they've already reached out. He's already asked for mine, so I know this is on my radar.
1: Good, good. He's an amazing man. And um, I think I, I think you'd enjoy a conversation with him.
2: Oh, I, I know I would. You take a look at the things that we have just with our industrial parking at the time. None of that stuff existed out there. And, and that man had the wisdom and the vision to make those investments. And they, and they came with risk.
1: Oh, no doubt about yes. <laughs> it. And there were
2: people that were, <laughs> I don't know about this. Yep. But you take a look at what we have now. I agree. And in large part, you can you can... Look at him and say, "Thank you. Yep. This is, this is because of you. Yes. So it, yeah. He is one of the great fathers of Menominee. Yes.
1: Well, Eric. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure. Thank, thank you for you. having me back.
1: Thank you. We'll talk again.
2: Absolutely. I look forward to it. Okay. Be well.